Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Question me, Rose. Run for your life. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us for Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. For a section of the population, comedian and actor Dan Frigolet has an incredible gig. Apart from appearing on shows like Boardwalk Empire and the following, appearances on The Artie Lang Show and with Wendy Williams, as well as interviewing comedians on the Comedy's Best Kept Secret podcast, he gets to interview porn stars. On the podcast Porn Stars of People, Dan interviews female adult film stars about matters of life, love, and happiness with the hope of destigmatizing porn and the performers who choose this lifestyle. The podcast hopes to humanize comedians, porn stars, people, and listeners alike to see that life is not about labels, judgments, and critiques. During a visit to South Africa in 2018, Dan was kind enough to take time out of his schedule to chat with us about many things, including his path to comedy, the story behind how he managed to start interviewing adult film stars, the lessons he's learned from these conversations, and the impact it's had on his personal life. We pass this over to the diva for her rating. Franku, what did the diva have to say? The diva has enjoyed this podcast and rates it... Hello, sailor. A Hello Sailor rating from the Diva. With adult film stars being the topic, there is obviously a very high salt content. This episode touches on a number of adult themes and topics, which does require certain language. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you kindly to both Franku and the Diva for that rating. Before we fully get underway, a reminder of the Fueled by Death cast, produced by the team at Death Wish Coffee, the world's strongest coffee. Fueled by Death is a show that asks the question, what fuels you? Very similar in sentiment to how we do things here at Release the Geek. They have a bunch of great content, having conversations with astronauts, rock stars, authors, athletes, and more. Check it out at deathwishcoffee.com, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tell them, Release the Geek sent you. And now, without any further ado, please join me, Les Allen, and co-host Vittorio Leonardi as we release the geek with Dan Frigolet. And now, we're releasing the geek. What is your profession? Well, let's now talk about that. <laughs> that yeah. So, Dan, <laughs> uh, am I getting this right in that you get to hang out with porn stars? <laughs> yes, yes. It's actually put my it's put me in a weird position socially. Uh, with the rest of my life, because now I have to. How? Have to... <laughs> well, because now I have to have conversations with men that go well, and then I have to have conversations with women that go well, and so it's become hard to date and such because people are like, "Well, I don't want you hanging out with porn stars," uh, which is which is sort of the opposite. The point of what I've created is called "Porn Stars Are People." Is mm-hmm. to, is 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 it, it's sort of it's the response to the fact that like well, every time you interview a comedian or a porn star, all you do is you either talk about dicks or you talk, or you have they have to tell a joke or they're like, "What are you doing? Gotcha. I thought you were a comedian." Yeah. So are I you wanted, a real person? So yeah. So I wanted to grant them that respect that uh, that sort of a porn star could be a human. So it's like so it's it's, it's still the same problem where they go well because you're hanging with a porn star there must be fucking. 
Uh, so that, that's sort of like it, it, defies, it yes. defies the entire goal of the podcast. I've watched YouTube interviews with yeah. some of these with some of these ladies, and that's like their number one thing. So right. people assume it's that they're oversexed. Yes, yes, this is the problem. It's like uh, I was on I was on a podcast where they brought a girl on, right? And they were then asking her what type of dicks and these sorts of things. Jeez. And the whole time I'm just like, ugh. Like, and they're wanting me to chime in with comedy, and I'm like, this is this is appalling. This is horrifying, mm. and this was sort of the the main basis was uh, the 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 example of what I was going to not be. Right. So uh, you actually hold this other podcast up as the anti. Yeah. So yes. before we go any further, I can actually physically hear the ether vibrating with the number of geeks sitting there with pad and pencil going. And the name <laughs> of this podcast is <laughs> sorry, uh, it's porn stars porn are people. Star, yeah. Let's. What was it again? Porn stars are people. Are people dot. Oh, you're finding it yeah, on yeah, iTunes? Yeah, this is dot com, yeah. yeah. We're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're on... Uh, you realize you've just ruined everybody's Pornhub yeah. experience. No, what, I, what he no, needs it's to realize, what he realizes is he's just fucked our podcast. Everybody's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you plug it at the end. No, so what I found is, and I, fi- I finally figured out the piece on this, is like as, as, a, as a podcaster, you want to catch hold. Yeah. You want people to like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so what I found is that... Um, I understand that people are coming to the podcast for the wrong reasons, mm. right? I understand that people are not coming to the podcast for me. Uh, so, you know, they're coming to the podcast Sorry, yeah, your name again. for their favorite person. And then what happens is if I should happen to be hitting it off with this person yes. uh, and having a, a fun conversation, which it happens, sure. uh, then they start panicking. And so then I find that the comments are things like, shut up and let her talk. So what happens is the, mm-hmm. the uh, then I but it took me I was taking it very personal for a while and then I finally realized no 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 they're in love with her oh, dear. and they're mad and they're worried that I'm going to now uh, infiltrate them somehow steal the steal a person that they don't know no, right, there's only one right, porn yeah. star that's ever done that Manuel Ferrara we will be waiting for you <laughs> what happened? married a female porn star that, that's that very you're popular and she's no dude, I just thought that she's a stunning human being. Of course, I like. Did him. he ruin her? No, just he. Who did he, he marry? He, the two of them. I can't remember. Her I'm name. I just right know now. that the two of them got married. <laughs> yeah, and then he told her, "I need you to stop doing porn." That's not stopped him from ramming everything. Oh that yeah. Moves, though. I was like, "What a tosser!" I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the, so yeah, I met uh, Dana Vis- Vispoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not together. They, they, so you're good. Uh, not, no, that, not that she's um, back in the game. <laughs> no, the, I, it's, that's not her. It's mm-hmm. the, the name is no, not her. This woman's blonde. Interesting. So, so they may have split up then. Uh, her stage name was Krista Walker. No. Interesting. Interesting. All right, we're gonna have to do more research for this. Damn, Caden I'm, Cross. Mm. Caden Cross. Yes. Oh, interesting. Please just show him the photo. Uh, I'm gonna. This is Caden Cross. Interesting. Audio podcast, I just raised my eyebrows. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That's all right. Um, Dan. Yes. I I know how I started this podcast. <laughs> because it was an alternative to stalking. <laughs> it's very hard to go up to somebody uh, famous and go, hi, I'd like to have lunch with you for an hour and just talk. Yeah. If you lead up with, I run a podcast. And it's got a few thousand listeners, and uh, we'd like to talk about you and the things that you geek out about. So you will be the object, but you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. That the reception to that request was a bit better. Than, right. Hey, right. I'm just a random person. Can I come by your house and talk to you? Right. So my motivation was to to be able to have the really cool conversations with people that I geek out about. What was your motivation for porn stars of people? 
It was a couple different things. So I had met someone uh, from the adult industry who fascinated me earlier on in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of started seeing some, I don't know, uh, similarities to, to the career that she was holding and the mm-hmm. career that I sort of aspired to comedically. I used to, I actually at one point I had a joke that like, porn almost represented all of my goals. All the things I'm going after in comedy, porn could, could, could solve. I'm on television. People know who I am, uh, and you know, and I'm getting laid. And it's you like get, these, and you get yeah, chicks, yeah. yeah. So this is this sort of. And you get paid. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, obviously, that's not a very likable joke. So you have to stop doing that joke. No one wants to talk about uh, how you want to be a porn star. Uh, so th- these were some of the things, and then it was that moment. It was that moment at the uh, in this podcast where they're mm-hmm. disrespecting this woman uh, that made me very uh, uneasy. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. And then, and then sort of there was the moment of, I, I've missed the window on podcasts, mm-hmm. but I still would like to start something um, so that I can sort of uh, be working towards this, this sort of momentum that I'm, that I'm trying to gain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't really want to interview comedians. Because mm-hmm. um, everybody else is Everybody else is doing, doing it. Uh, if I do it, I don't want it to be funny. Meanwhile, by the by the way, I, I do have a, a, a comedian podcast where we and it is. It's not. It's the goal is not to be funny. Yeah. It's this other thing. It's like because I think I think comedians are some of the most insightful people. But yeah. for me, I don't know. There was there's always been a lore to what who are these people? Why are they in this industry? But I didn't. I I don't need to ask them that exact question to to sort of understand them. Right. And it comes out. It's like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna time out. We're talking about porn. This is the opposite of porn podcast, right? <laughs> but. Uh, we don't go in with the intention to, because it, it's like if every question is framed on the the notion of like why did you decide to take uh, dicks for money, then that's a horrible, <clears throat> yeah, non interesting thing to talk about. Ask and answer. I was uh, so now this could be quite a revealing podcast because if mm-hmm. we have particular uh, porn actresses, porn stars that we were, I, I could ask about how you knew that previous porn actress, etc. But my first realization that there was depth to these women yeah. was actually, and I will say that it was a fair while ago, Asia Carrera. Okay. Yeah. So Asia Carrera is a member of Mensa. Yes. She was on a full ride scholarship. Yes. And she, one of the, her idols is Warren Buffett. Interesting. So she ran her own Quake servers. Wow. She put together her own rig. <clears throat> this is not your stereotypical porn star story. Right, right. And when I realized this, I'm like, this is incredible. I would like to have lunch with this person. Yeah. To hear about this stuff. Right. And hear about her views on the economics of the industry. These sorts of things. There's there's so much more depth. And that was when I realized, holy crap, Les, you, these people actually do have a bit of depth. And you yeah. might want to find out who they are. Yeah. Oh, Nina Sky what, used to be a teacher. Who? Nina Sky. She used to be a school teacher. Interesting. And then I love that we in, have went, all of this knowledge. Went into po- because yeah, after not, a while, let's not bring it up. When you do the doctorate thesis level research no, the, done on the subject, um, you start going, okay, but what else do you do with this? No, hanging out. No, hanging out with you. I know that you are you're very well informed on the things that you want to know things about. This is also like a comedian trait, but it's but it's specific mm. to you. And mm-hmm. I don't know you very well, but you've 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 had the research on Asia Carrera, <laughs> so it's there, right? Uh, but there is. I've, I've this, done my research. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But there is this moment, and for and for me, it was. Uh, I think part of me at once the entertainment part of it is like there's this AVN awards, and I could yeah. I, could, I could see part of my career hosting the AVN awards. So for oh, cool. me, it was like. How do I sort of, if I'm going to approach this, how do I sort of like infiltrate these people? And initially I was just on Snapchat and Instagram yeah. and I was finding out who was 
a big deal. And I was like, I basically watched the AVN Awards two years ago mm-hmm. on Snapchat mm-hmm. to these people. And there was a guy that I knew that was that was sort of co-hosting and doing a, a comedy set. Yeah. And some of the mechanisms of his set didn't work because of the fact that these were people that are very open about sex. I also think, right before I said the podcast... Yeah, it's very hard to embarrass somebody like that. It's not even that. It's like uh, the mechanisms of, of, of his material is, yeah, is that he says the he, he says something like, like a punchline will be like, you know, and then I fisted this girl. But then it's like, uh, and this is just a lame example, you know, uh, and not to mm-hmm. not to, to, to diminish his act, but and then but then the porn stars were like, and and then, and then. whereas like a normal person would be like, oh my god, you can't just go around fisting people, but uh, so it, you can't, you can't. Oh, wow. uh, it's, but it is, it's, it is an interesting thing, and I do find that the porn stars have a similar view of of sex and partners and monogamy than, right. than I do, oh, that yeah. I haven't been able to put into practice in my life. Bobcat Goldthwait is this beautiful. Just the line he drops into the conversation. He goes, you know what really takes me out of a fisting video is a Livestrong bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It just, and he just lets that <laughs> hang. Because so I don't want to be thinking about that yeah. while I'm watching this. It's um, I'm going to get rather raw. Jim Jeffries dropped the line in his latest episode. You know Jim Jeffries? Of course. Yeah. So his latest show, he... Showed a bit of the video where the turtle had the straw in its nostril. Oh God! Yeah, which has led to um, uh, Starbucks Please saying I'm we're going to get rid of uh, straws. Yeah, right. we're going to get rid of straws, and it was quite terrible because there's bleeding and they finally right. get the straw out, and it comes back to Jim, and Jim says, "Look, it's uh, two and a half minutes long. I can't watch it because I come too quickly." <laughs> so good. And Jim was quite raw in his latest episode. Yeah. Actually. He, uh, he really went off. Um, how you've then decided, well, I want to I want to start treating these people like people. Yeah. And actually have conversations with them. Yeah. How Which is not you... hard to treat a person like a person, right? Well, some people need practice. Some, do. some, some people need practice. Uh, how do you then just reach out to I, adult star Dumb X? luck? Yeah. I don't know, man. So uh, yeah. it's like... I, I, somebody was talking about putting things into the universe recently and some of it sort of made, seemed to make sense to me but for me I just sort of started I started knowing more people were again for the snapshots and the other things and then I sort of knew what, what their access was so if somebody was in New York and, and my initial thought process was I can be in New York do the podcast and it's over uh, where was where was my point? we were reaching out to people and you said it was dumb luck yeah, uh, somehow between both sort of Insta stalking and uh, Snap stalking, I figured out where people were. And initially I thought I could do this thing from New York. Mm-hmm. And then I realized there are no porn stores in New York. And when they're in New York, oh, they yeah. have an agenda. Mm-hmm. It's very much uh, in and out, you know, for three or four days. Excuse the... Uh, oh, excuse yes, yeah. In many ways, we yes. Upon, yeah. And so uh, uh, mm-hmm. it's a three or four day thing. And it's like scheduling time in that, in that way it became very difficult. Because I'm not their priority. It's like, and, I, and I know that I'm not their priority, and that's fine. That's sort of what's working. Mm. And then also it's like, uh, I understand that this is a group of people, similar to comedians, that are very hard to, can I say pin down, or is everything I say going to be sexual innuendo? Mm. Uh, so uh, what happens is, you know, you get 10 interviews, and five of them will change, and, you know, three of them will cancel, and, you know. You got to move things around. So it's and like, you do. This is this is a volunteer. Like we'd like to have you as a guest. It's not a it's not yeah. a good slot. Right, right, right. So yeah, you're that's the other one. Work yeah. around it. Right, so right. There's been sometimes. Yeah, it is. It's how much am I getting paid for this? And it's like no, no, no. Um, 
we can go that route maybe in the future, but honestly, I just want you to want to do this thing. If you don't want to do yeah. it, then I, I'm, I'm happy to not have you yeah. on as a guest. Mm-hmm. And I won't Skype. I won't Skype anybody in. That people they made Managers and things are trying to get people to Skype in. I'm not interested in it. Because um, like, you can't get that connection yeah. with a person right. as when they're sitting next to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been, I've, been, I've been pretty lucky. I mean, um, people are saying been, yes. How long have you been running for? Um, episode 60 dropped two days ago. Six zero. Yeah, and I haven't missed a week since last April, I believe. So it's, um, does that make sense? So yeah. when, I, when I first started out, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have many going. And then, um, <coughs> I think after April or May it was. Basically, yeah. I committed to the thing. I, I, mm-hmm. I said, I said, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it. So I went to, I just flew to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I just locked down like 10 interviews. And then I flew to LA right after that. And I locked gotcha. down like 20. I did 20 interviews in like three days. I just rented a studio. What's the what's the feeling been like amongst the guests and amongst the industry? Because once you start getting, now there's 20, now there's 30. Now there are 50 episodes. Yeah. So it's not like, well, he's not a creep. Yeah. He's not doing this for... Right. What's the the industry response? Yeah, the so I do find that that it is it is uh, an easier listenership to to interview women. So I'm doing uh, mm-hmm. a lot of that. Uh, when I interview guys, it's sort of a drop off. But so basically, the girls are are telling their friends that yeah, dance cool, uh, mm-hmm. go and do it. And now I've sort of created an offshoot of the thing called the porn stars of comedians, where if I go and I'm getting invited to the shows now, the the uh, the, the conventions. Yeah. So when I do that and I'm in town, I'm not going to not do comedy. So why not? Just bring a couple uh, porn stars in, so we have porn stars that are now doing comedy, which also was well, another one of the main motivations is that I'm seeing that mm-hmm. porn stars are able to get stage time easier than established comedians almost. Uh, I wonder how much of that is the is the promoter thinking that somehow they're going to get laid. Maybe, but it's also like when you have twenty five <laughs> plus thousand to a million followers. Um, mm. People want to. People want yeah, to go. One percent of them turning up is yeah. A, is now a full room. Totally a full room. There yeah. was one that I was looking at on Snapchat. I can't remember her looking name. Looking at. Yeah, 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 quite a lot. Sure. Yeah. Not that she does anything. She's got this mad obsession with selling weed. Sure. And the paraphernalia for it. She's like the spokesmodel or spokesperson for weed paraphernalia. Weed goes going, hand in hand with porn. It really does. Yeah, because you um, need something to quieten the screams. <laughs> um, or something. I don't know. No, there's not. There's just an idea base that if you're so free with all of the other things, then then sort mm-hmm. of like you understand that that a drug that comes from the earth mm-hmm. is good for you. You know, it's Penny these Pax are people that express with their bodies. Penny Pax is quite funny to follow because she, she's she's an oddball. She says random shit yeah. without thinking. And there've been moments where I'm just I'm sitting backstage looking for something to do. Sure. So, okay, so you posted something. She'll say this random shit, and I burst out laughing yeah. when there's dead silence. Somebody's setting something up on stage, going, "Sorry." <laughs> Her and Asha Marie, Asha Marie's a cam model. She's very yeah, funny. We, we have a very. It's, it's it is interesting when you do because the industry is so big and it's so specific now mm. with the camming. You can just find a person, and that yeah. becomes your person, and then you think that that everybody knows about this person. But it's mm. like the, the thing I find the most is like people will start recommending people and saying who they like, mm. and these are people I've maybe never even seen. But also, the the industry seems to be growing at a geometric rate. There's okay. always they the, they seem to have this terrible fear that they have to generate new content with yeah. new people. Sure, and it's that what you said about the guys it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because the way that porn seems to be shot now is the guy almost never do you see his face in right. It's yeah, just, you start to wonder who is this guy. It's yeah. it's a it's a weird uh, it's, um, similarity to draw, but it's like Stephanie Meyer wrote um, Twilight, that Bella is literally 
a skin suit that anybody can wear, you are that character because there's almost no description of Oh, her. interesting. I've never but read them. That's the interesting. Edward, no, I, I, I did suit. a cliff like note. It's, they're literally this person you can put on oh. and pretend to be them. And Edward, he's got two pages describing yeah. him, so, describing him the first time. There's a paragraph just on his breath. Like, yeah. His perfect breath. Yes, his perfect breath. Yes. There we go. Which is odd considering corpse. So... That is a very strong airwave he's chewing. Yeah, but and so but it's with, fresh. Yes, it's much fresher than what I'm well, eating. Well, it would be it would be cold because well he's a corpse. Yes. Um, so it, it's that thing of the the porn industry seems to be doing that thing. It says we you can imagine yourself being the guy who's shagging this girl. I would say that that's mm. true. Well, the other element of it is it, it, I don't know the, the 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 girls and even the guys protect the guys in the industry like a lot. Mm. Like there's I've seen plenty of these speeches. Uh, with who was the the big famous one was the Jenna Jameson one was like where she was mm. saying like why don't like guys are always like oh well it'd be so easy to whatever it's like well you get your dick hard right now you and then you come when I ask you to whatever and it, like it became this thing but um, part of what you're talking about and bringing in new girls is the same thing with bringing in open my comics is you don't mm. have to pay them what you have to pay other people yes mm-hmm. so this is what yes. I find interesting about porn is that just hanging in the industry just like comedy makes you a veteran. Mm. Just, just in the fact around. that you've made it through this shit. Stick around. You've known it now. You know enough people. Mm-hmm. You can clearly do the job. Mm. And now you're you've because you've uh, you've outlasted the the um, the probability mm. and the 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 bullshit. Now you're worth more money. Mm. It's a th- it's. I remember saying to a friend of mine, "says Well, comedy is very much that industry where if you stay in it long enough, you either will improve, yeah. or stay shit." Right. <laughs> there's no, and there's a few that are 15 years in and are career open you, spots that and you are can, still crap. And you can find out, but you still have to you still have to feed yourself, right? So it's like yes. well, New York is a much more cutthroat market. We're, uh, we're yeah. very happy to tell you that you, that you should not be around anymore uh, in New York. So I don't, and uh, I, I guess I guess there's probably that in porn because in porn it seems like well the old the old trend. Uh, was that you? You let somebody else. You let a you know a, whether it be a manager, an agent, a PR person, sort of like dictate what's going on. So then, if like if they like, you could have somebody now convince you. Well, I can't even get you work, uh, mm. you know, and then and then become make this as a leverage point. But now people are they're doing camming, and they're uh, cultivating their own audience base. Mm. They don't need anybody else, and they're doing it in a much more brilliant way. Like the, the thing that you were saying about uh, you know any of the, the the brilliance that you find in the porn stars is mm. like. The technology and girls that I've met that are can that are in the game industry, I can't keep up with even with the like like the the first like layer of conversation. I'm out because I don't I don't have any of the knowledge. I don't understand uh, uh, yeah. what is it like geo blocking. <laughs> I don't understand shadow banning. Like there's all these things that I don't I that I can't. No idea. What shadow that banning is. is the is Twitter's response to uh, to trying to block content, but but understanding that the privacy policy hasn't limited sex. So instead of uh, uh, saying that you're putting explicit content on that's illegal, like. Instagram, you show a nipple, they just take it off. They'll take your account away. Facebook, show a tit, it's gone. Uh, Twitter didn't didn't put that in their privacy policy or their or their content policy. Mm-hmm. So then, what they've decided to do is, if something's becoming becoming too too popular, avoiding or or, or somehow reframing the algorithm, mm-hmm. they the the account stays. But now, when you put it into the the search bar nothing comes up mm-hmm. you know I've she has a page that. I've seen that happen and you know that it's a person and you're putting it in you're trying to tag them but then the but then the the the, the mention mm-hmm. doesn't arrive that happened with I can't remember the name of the actress but I remember it happened almost overnight she had a profile page and it then vanished it was still there yeah but what you found out was what eventually found out was she had made a shift from 
what was basically mainstream porn yeah. into the more bondage and dominance stuff. Interesting. And the clips even were extremely rough. I mean, yeah. they, they walk the line, that very fine line where it's, no, this is just a rape movie. Yeah, yeah, credits. sure, sure. So the only way you could access it was via her website. Interesting, yeah. So you would actually click on the link and it says, right, fine, you actually have the actual link. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so YouTube I'll... does that a lot as well now. Do they? Yeah, it's there's certain specific things where you know where they set the, where only if you have the URL can you have access to yeah. something. That's starting to happen with channels. Interesting. Which um, worries me because there's a lot of really cool channels and stuff that I watch on YouTube that have started to disappear because of reasons. Yeah. Like the algorithm decides, no, we're going to demonetize all your shit. Yeah, I um I haven't actually haven't logged on to my thing in a while, so uh, I had so I I. I video all of the the uh the youtube stuff mm-hmm. and um uh or the the podcast and I put it's always it face to face yeah and so they're they're fun episode i mean it's whatever it's just two people sitting and talking mm-hmm. but like they mm-hmm. want to look at the, the the girls or somehow that's how people are finding it but so i went on the other day and somebody had flagged and i don't imagine it's different people i imagine it's one person flagging 25 of the episodes and like and bef- and I didn't have time. I didn't. Um, they don't send you a notification for some reason when that happens. So I have to go on to my page and then do it. And I don't go on to the page other than to upload twenty or thirty episodes in a row because I'm, my travel schedule. I'll do thirty episodes in a row and I'll just put them up and I'll and I'll have them auto drop so that I don't ever miss a day because I'm mm-hmm. I can make up a hundred thousand reasons why I'm not going to wake up and and post the episode. No, of course, so I've of taken course. my goodwill out of it, uh, free will, whatever it is. Uh, so someone went in and flagged all of them, and so. 12 of them got taken down and then like and then, like another 18 of them I had to put into dispute. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't been on in a while, so maybe all of them are gone. But, um, but yeah, this, this, this thing, this, this power that we have with the flag uh, to destroy someone's content mm-hmm. or a YouTube channel having enough power to take that stuff down yeah. is devastating. People had uh, things go viral mm-hmm. uh, in comedy and then an, another uh, page will take it, rehost it, mm-hmm. and then they'll get all the likes and they'll get mm-hmm. all the views. So now you, you got you got a buddy who's got a million views on a video that he has no access to. His views don't go to his page anymore. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know who he is. So they've just posted it now on whatever website. And they're getting the, the benefit of... Yeah. The reason we were going to chat to you, Dan, as, as enjoyable as talking about porn stars. Yeah. And your podcast, because I want to talk more about those things, because it's fascinating. Sure. We normally start off with the question, under the premise of geekdom, geeking geeking out is just being passionate about something, being ridiculously passionate. You're a comedian. I am. You're now talking to porn stars. What was your path to geekdom? And I'm assuming that you geek out about comedy, because you've made it your life. Yeah, yeah. What was your path to geekdom? Where did it start for you? Comedy's an interesting one because... Some of the answers that I get in this country are very strange because what I what I found was that not having access to comedy for people in this country put people in a position where if they saw comedy once, <laughs> there was a lot of people who I've interviewed who in South Africa, they saw comedy mm-hmm. and they were like, I can do better than that, mm. which has never really been a, uh, it's never a thing I've had anybody in the U.S. ever say because we've always had access to comedy. Yeah. So I found myself as a, as a child uh, with these, all of the premium channels um, which actually, which actually may lead to the to the porn conversation. But so basically, <laughs> I would be watching comedy and uh, uh, sort of in my room by myself. And then Sunday night, you know, when the when the the Skinamax and all those sort of things, I was doing the other one. But mostly, 
uh, I was watching comedy for an extended period of time, and there's people. Um, Tim Allen was sort of one of the first people when he first came up with this act. This yeah. this uh, before he got the show and before they watered down the whole thing. It's very strange. I, I just sort of made this realization the other day that now that uh, whatever twelve seasons of Home Improvement happened, mm-hmm. you can't even go back to the original material and and give it its credit because now it's just um, I don't know. Is derivative the right word? Like it's yep. you know it's it's a derivative of what. The the source the source material was great at the time, and nobody ever nobody had created this character, and nobody had figured out how to sort of um, outwit a crowd that um, maybe didn't want their material to be thought provoking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he was sort of brilliant in the fact that he created a character that he could water down into a couple different lines, and he sort of created this this example of what later successful comedians became, um, but. So I sort of saw his, he, he, had a, he had a half hour special, an hour special, and then got a TV show within three years. Mm-hmm. So that was one of sort of the starting points. But then always we, w- we would watch as a family Bill Cosby himself, the 1978 right. Changing mm-hmm. Backgrounds, the whole thing. Touchy topic now. Mm-hmm. But, Where'd um, you grow up? Uh, Syracuse, New York. Okay. I know Syracuse. Yeah. It was the, the first time I heard it, the name mentioned was in Highlander of all things. Interesting. Yeah. And Bobcat. Is from Syracuse. He's from Liverpool. Oh, really? Whoa. Yes. Yes. Okay. I can't imagine Bobcat being from anywhere as docile as a small town. <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. But yeah, it would explain why his character yeah. came out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, were you... Generally, the line is, at high school, you either have to be... Uh, you have to be able to fight, you have to be able to make people laugh, or you have to be able to run. Well, this is what where I... Where did you fall in? This I is where I that last one. <laughs> Yeah, fight or flight. This is well. This is where um, this and this is sort of like massive self uh, realization and ex- exploration. Uh, I was very shy for a period. A lot of it sort of stemmed from uh, almost being like teased and bullied at home, and so it kind of put me in a position where I wasn't sure what the what the value of my thoughts and opinions and 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 joking was but I was always very open and very fun with like the people that I was like best friends with so my three core friends I was a jokester but then at school I was very shy and very and very cut off mm-hmm. and it and it, it did it stemmed from like sort of like being ridiculed for bringing ho- notes home from girls like why is this girl writing you notes and this and that and then you know things like my father taking hot stuff Right, but <laughs> things like my father taking my Halloween candy and sort of making fun of me, like as if he was going to eat my candy. This is almost that Jimmy Kimmel thing. But like my dad do, was do doing this to me. Not, yeah. It's it's one of the things I hope I never do if I become a parent. Why do parents do this to their kids? Because you watch content on YouTube of shit that parents are doing to their kids. I'm yeah. going. I'm sorry, you've just embarrassed your child in front of a billion people. Right. You can't complain when he burns the house down with you in it. Well, and it's worse because you've embarrassed your child in the in the home yes. that you're supposed to be Which is supposed to be safe. In. Right, the safe home. And so uh. this became sort of the thing. And then I, I think I think what happened to me is uh, my my sister, um, for all her flaws and whatever, uh, just didn't want me to be born. Just and hasn't reconciled this fact. Her entire life, my entire life. She's thirty what is she? She'll be thirty seven. Uh, in a, in like a month, she and already she, seems older. And she Sorry. and she and she was the firstborn, and she had eighteen months of my parents on her own. I was born, and she just didn't want that to be the case. And so I didn't realize that we were at odds our entire childhood. And so recently, when we're still at odds, and I'm going, we don't need to be at odds anymore. What is you, what's going on? So I think 
I could always make her laugh, and that was my mechanism. Was how do I feel love? And it is by making this person who I don't know why this is my sister. I want her to like me, Mm -hmm. and now she doesn't like me, but I can make her laugh. So I didn't realize until very recently, probably you know, twenty eight, twenty nine, that this was actually a component of my life. Mm-hmm. was that my sister's a beautiful laugh and having her in a, in a crowd is important to me and, and making her laugh my whole life was important to me. At what, at what point did the desire to make people laugh become the work objective or the career objective? I think the moment it was called into question. I, I didn't know that it was of value to me until someone called it into question and it was a breakup and it was a silly conversation. It was someone trying to hurt my feelings and they sort of called it into question and that hurt. And so my response was, why does that hurt? Mm-hmm. And then my next response was getting on stage immediately. I found the comedy club in my town, oh, wow. talked my way on to, you know, in, in, into a relationship with this guy. I spent three months hanging out at the club, and I said, listen, I've written an act. I'd like to debut it. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, great. When can I see it? He, I said, I don't know, two weeks? Give me like two weeks of doing it in front of the mirror. I don't know. There was no clubs in the town. There was no <laughs> mics. There was nothing in the town that I lived in Syracuse right. at the time. And so I did it. Actually, my sister came to it, uh, some of my friends from college. And then it's, I don't know, you, you, have you done comedy? A uh, little. Then this is the separation point. As soon as you get on stage and you say some things and you get that response from the crowd, you're either in it forever mm-hmm. or it doesn't do anything for you. <clears throat> and I was in it forever right at that moment. Mm-hmm. I had another year of college left, a uh, year and a half of college left. Uh, so what I, was I, the career path up until that point? I was in journalism school. Yeah. You was, said, we were chatting earlier about that, the difference between comedy and journalism. Yeah. It, remind me, what was the thing you said there? I said uh, journalism and comedy are in direct opposition from a writing standpoint. Give all the information first in journalism and then sort of trickle off. And uh, don't give even really a skew to it. Comedy, hold all the information, uh, trickle some information in enough that you can get to the point, and then completely drop the bomb and then completely change someone's viewpoint at the end. Mm-hmm. Which the frame of that for me was trying to understand how you, know, how you approach writing. Uh, now outside of comedy it's yeah and it is a weird thing i mean there's how, how many times and this is one of those questions that should be on the list of stuff you should never ask comedians yeah the number of times you write a gag you think this is insightful and ingenious yeah the crowd couldn't be further right away from you if you tried when you dropped the line yeah well this is how i try to describe it is, is mm-hmm. how long you've been doing comedy august 27th will be good god 19 years so you're 19 years funny Everyone in the crowd is one year or lower funny. Less, yeah. So you need to. So when you know when you see a guy come out and he's doing one year funny and it's and it's working mm. as a nineteen year guy, you're going well. You know, mm. I, I'd like to challenge them more than that, mm. and I understand why it's working because they're on the exact same plane. Mm. And so then you your whole job after year five. So after year five, you actually become funny, mm. and so and you're and you're challenging it's absolutely and you're doing things. True. And so then what happens is from year five to year eight, you're basically trying to figure out how to deliver this funny to the audience because they're not as funny as you. Yeah. So you see a thing, you know it's funny, you're already at the punchline, but now you got to go backwards mm. and figure out where to pick them up yeah. and bring them with you. And then you do it as succinctly as possible because that, that's the daunting part of the thing. It's a lot like taking a toddler for a walk. <laughs> you have to take them by the hand and say, yes, no, 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 don't shit in the lawn. Yeah. Well it's, well, it's teaching a dog to walk. Yes. They're just loose and they want to run all over the place. Mm. And you go, no, you're here. And it's like, so I remember, I remember when, I, when I gave my dog to my mom for the first time mm. for a long extended trip and I brought her back and she didn't know how to walk on a leash anymore because my mom doesn't know how to yeah. walk a dog on a leash. 
because you know these people have these extendo leashes and the dog's running around you're not even on a walk yeah you're just somewhere else and you're this dog's drag, doing whatever right? it wants yeah, <laughs> you're a chariot doing. and so my dog now we don't even we don't even need the leash I mean we'll go for a run I'll, I'll strap a leash one leash goes around my waist and then the lead goes to her mm. and she runs right next to me yeah within within three inches of me right on my side that's brilliant and uh and and she knows and she knows the deal she knows and she can and we can feel each other she knows when i'm going to stop i know when she's going to stop we got to stop for traffic all of these things and so that's what you need to do to an audience is you need to put them on your hip and you need to carry them down the, the route mm. and deliver them to what mm. is the punchline and if you and if they're not if it's not funny and you know that it's funny because you're qualified to know that it's funny mm-hmm. um you haven't done the work yeah you have to go and take them and just make sure you lead them yeah Whoa, I'm not sure how I got here, but this is a really cool podcast. Well, while I'm here, I guess I'll introduce myself. I am the Incredible Jeff, the host of Fueled by Deathcast, the weekly podcast from the Deathwish Coffee Company. Each week, I get to talk with a special guest from rock stars to astronauts about what they do and what fuels their passion, because we're all fueled by death. We want to leave this world a little different before we inevitably leave it for good. Follow Fueled by Deathcast on all social media and subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, or the Deathwish Coffee Company YouTube page. But for now, let's finish this awesome podcast. When did you realize that this was actually a croft? Um, right now. <laughs> 30 seconds ago. Um No, I think it's when I, I think I, I think it's when I started the other podcast, and I really started talking to comedians. And honestly, it was one of the ones was, was when I came to South Africa, and mm-hmm. and this was a real moment in my life. It, it, it came up very quickly. I had an opportunity to come, and I jumped on it. I had like a month notice that someone that I knew was coming down here, and I and I could basically crash, and then that solves one problem. I can stay somewhere. Uh, everything else, I had to you know, I had to figure out whether or not somebody was going to put me on stage, and figure out whether I could afford a flight, and all, mm-hmm. and whether or not I could I could make enough money to go home. Mm-hmm. And so once I solved those things, then I had to look at my comedy and I go, well, is any of this shit universal? Um, is any of the things that I'm saying real to every person? What, what, they grew up in a completely different environment. They grew up in a completely different uh, language plane. Uh, mm-hmm. they, this is a group of people that use English properly, <laughs> which is interesting. True. Sometimes. Um, sometimes. Yes. They're, uh, but, sometimes. But by and large, and this is, this, is my, this is my phrase of the day, by and large, we don't, we don't in the U.S., uh, I tried to explain to South Africans that when I get here, I have to speak in proper English, and then my examples don't aren't funny because it's just me saying proper English things. But mm. if I say them back to people in the United States, like, you would never say that. Mm. Somebody saw a movie, and I was like, you know, I was still flirting from from here, and I said, uh, uh, "Well, you must tell me how it was," which I would never say in the U.S. You must tell me how. You must tell me how it was. It's, it's um, what is his name? Steve Harvey says when a woman said to him, "Isn't it? Ain't? Ain't is the word, lady." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's little things like that we don't notice until we're there. Yeah. Like, uh, we're just trying to get a ride here. It's a, it's a will you come fetch me? Mm. Uh, like, I, I asked someone to bring me home last night, and they were like, they were caught in the grammar. They were, they were, they said, uh, they said, they said, what do you, I don't understand. What do you mean? Do you mean, do you mean, uh, what did I say? So I, and I, I don't even, and I don't even understand. So I wanted them to drive me home. Yeah. Uh, drive me back. I said, bring, will you bring me back? And they said, no. Uh, do you mean, um, what, I, I, Take you, yeah, take you home. And Actually, I was like, yes. Can I take you home? Yes. yes. That's what I mean. <clears throat> whatever, whatever for me to go home, yes. 
Whatever it is. <laughs> that, that thing. I want to go to there. Yeah. Please just take me to there. Will you deliver me, please? How? I've, I've walked through Times Square. Been yes. approached by the people. I apologize. Come watch. The, it, was, it was interesting to see it from a, from a distance. Though. Sorry, um, what? What happens in Times Square? Uh, the, the number of approaches you get from people. Hey, come to this club tonight. We've got comedy on. We've got these people. Da, 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 da. Yeah. New, New York seems... <clears throat> Aggressive. Hard and aggressive. Yeah. Is that what it needs for its comedy? There's there's 500 clubs. That's an exaggeration. Um, there's, <laughs> there's 12 clubs. There's one in every... There's, there's, <laughs> the, honest, okay, so the, the realistic fact is there are probably 50 shows going every night right. in New York. 50. Uh, so, yes. So, it needs a lot of things. But so, someone figured out a while ago that they can make money on comedy tickets. Either way. So, whether or not we need those people or not is mm-hmm. is, is, is sort of a, 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 a neither here nor there conversation. We have those people and they are selling tickets and they are putting people in seats and it's working uh, to an extent. Now, they're lying most of the time about who's going to be there and this creates drama with the clubs and you can't ever verify who the people are because you describe the person and that's every person. They don't have teeth. It's like it's very, you know, it's a strange group of people. Um <laughs> The flip chart folder of people. Yeah, it's well. Honestly, what's happened is the 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 somewhere I would say ten or twelve years ago, people found that the profit on selling comedy tickets was better than the profit on selling drugs. Good God! So you can get the comedy tickets for free, keep all or most of the profit, whereas. Drugs, people are trying to steal them from you. You have to pay money for them, and then you have to mm-hmm. you, know, you have to pay for it. And then you have to not do all the drugs while you're holding them. So the comedy tickets became a way better financial decision for drug dealers. So half of the comedy people that are selling tickets now had a, had a side job in the past. Well, at least, you know, they were in sales before. They yeah, just it's, changed the same, the it's the same thing, yeah. What is that? I can sell apples, I can sell oranges. What's the? You know? We were selling intellectualism before. Now we have comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And at what point then is it? We, you've started. You've you've dipped your toe in. You got that rush from the first wave of laughter. Yeah, so I'm now in. Is that comedy is now my life? This yeah, is going to be kind of. Thing? Yeah, basically, I, I packed a car and moved to New York. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any. I didn't have any sort of um, real plan. And I also, right or wrong, decided that knowing myself, that I needed to basically put myself in a position where I have to go after this thing or, mm-hmm. or some other distractions get in the way. So I had, I had uh, because of the, the path that I went, the fact that I went to a, a very um, well-received journalism school, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to get all kinds of job offers. I mean, I got all kinds of offers that were offering me great salaries, a great lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I thought uh, that if I didn't live sort of a peasant's life, then I wouldn't somehow figure comedy out and I wouldn't figure uh, and the drive wouldn't be there or I wouldn't have the time to, mm-hmm. to approach the thing uh, and all of the so I basically I, what ends up happening though is that you're doing nine, nine different jobs and trying mm-hmm. to still do comedy so you're still in the same problem <coughs> yeah. so half of me goes I should have taken that job that job that I knew within three years they promised me I'd be at a, I'd be at a, a six K figure or a, a six, six figure salary mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and then I could have just pocketed all that money, saved it, lived the same way. Uh, but then, then once I was done with that, I could, I could be funding the, the real hard part of the mm-hmm. grind. Mm-hmm. But I'm in South Africa 12 years in, and I'm having a fantastic time. So who's wrong? I don't know. That thing of living a peasant's life and you're a journeyman on the road. I think we have Kung Fu to blame for that. <laughs> what the nobility of the yeah, journey. David right. Carradine walking along. I finally saw clips of that series because mm-hmm. we never had it here. Mm-hmm. And just looking at it going, 
I'm sorry, he's not Asian. There's no yeah. way you could confuse him for Asian. Right. Sli- slanting it, your eyes slightly. It was and, supposed and, to be Bruce Lee. Yeah, and then they schneid him out of it because he was Asian. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. I love that description. He's playing Asian. The character is Asian. Yeah. Like, what more do you people want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I think we have Kung Fu to blame for that. Interesting. This is to journey across the road, the grasshopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A question. Well, I'm going to think it's topical. I'm going to think it's topical. The idea of playing colleges. You went to college. Yeah. And seeing uh, recently guys like Seinfeld Mm -hmm. and people like that saying, we're not doing this anymore. Mm, okay. Uh, do, do we want to talk about it or we're just going to No, 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 we can't. No, no, no. I just have a completely different viewpoint of it. Is, sure. and, I, and, I, and I tweeted about this uh, and, I, it was, and it was sort of at length and I, and I put some time into it and it, it, it was the first time people, some people, which actually kind of offended me, people were like, this is very eloquent and, and, uh, and, and to the point, <laughs> which annoyed me because I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for I, noticing. I, I, <laughs> right? I did study journalism and know how yeah. to write. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Seinfeld can make as many comments as he wants about uh, not playing colleges, the the mere fact is they can't afford him. Yeah. Basically. So to be Chris Rock and to be Seinfeld and to talk about all the gigs that they won't take is silliness. Mm-hmm. And it also was blown out of proportion. It was like a, it was a, sort of a, a, a small comment on the thing. And somebody asked him about political correctness. Right. And then that made its way to So it conflated colleges. two things. Yes. Yeah. So And the, we're not wrong about the political correctness right now. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to defend things that they, that they aren't. Mm-hmm. And all, everybody wants to do this thing where they go, well, I, you're not that, so you can't talk about it. I'm not that, so I can't talk about it. And then instead mm-hmm. we're just dismissing all of the things, and everybody then can yeah. just run free and do whatever they want, which kind of is some of the people's <laughs> goals. Is right. don't, I don't want to ask him what he's doing. Don't ask me what I'm doing, mm-hmm. which is... The you know sort of the opposite of of, of what comedy's after. We mm-hmm. want to know what everybody's doing, and then uh, figuring out why, and then uh, feeling a human connection out of it. Mm-hmm. But so not playing college is yeah. I mean, if if they were offering him the same money that a theater's offering him, he would do. He'd gladly do a comedy. Yeah, in a heartbeat. There's a brilliant piece of um, footage on YouTube where Bill Burr was part of a lineup of comics playing a, a college. I yeah. think it was. The crowd was hostile on a level that was unreal. Eventually, the comics just were refusing to go on. Yeah. So, Paul goes on and goes, you know what? I've been booked to do 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to do 15 minutes. Yeah. So, let's go. And he would, he just went after the town, the no, school, so, no, so this the was, students. This was an outdoor festival in yes. Philadelphia. Yes. And so, or was it Pittsburgh? Now I forgot. <clears throat> I think it's Philly. And he and he's a sports guy, <coughs> so yeah. So he's so he's so he goes in on everything, and then he's mm. doing yeah, he's doing the countdown. Yes, it's he, a five he, minutes. He's, in. Yeah, he's a, he's a, yeah, uh, boom, to making fun making fun of their 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 sports legacy, and then he goes thirteen minutes, and then yeah, and, and it's great. And this is this is one of the things that got him sort of uh, some notoriety when he mm. when he really needed that bump. Um, but this is still, I mean, this is ten years ago, you know, and it's a legend that kind of that kind of sits there. But it's but it's able it's been able to put him in a position that he's in now. But much different world at the time. I mean, he was going after a town in their town, so that's like it's that's not even political correctness. This is like this is like you know you come this to a city more. like Philly, yeah, mm-hmm. like Philly, Boston, like these cities that feel like their identity is the whole thing. Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, I don't South know, maybe, maybe Chicago hilarious. at times, yeah, uh, uh, and then going after that city that's. That's both balls and and skill, to be able to 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 do that and then still. Cre- but it's, but at the end of the day, it's like you look at the thing and it's like he didn't really get that crowd. Mm-hmm. The only people who liked it were the people that weren't in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's, did he really do comedy that night? I don't yeah. know. It's the same as comics who admire Bill Hicks. Trust me, 
to have been Bill Hicks when he was doing those yeah. shows. None of us want right. that. Right. And it's tough because I have this debate with a buddy of mine about <clears throat> Carlin. And you watch a Carlin thing, you watch his specials, and mm. if you go laugh for laugh, he's not getting mm. the laughs that, mm. that guys are getting now. Yeah, of course And not. so it's like, so, so did you do comedy? And he, he comes up with these mechanisms. He's, he's doing uh, heavy listing. When he knows that there's no comedy. So now there's a rhythm. Now you know he's doing something, right? Mm-hmm. You know that he's put very research and time into this. Um, rhyming. You know, mm-hmm. all of these schemes that he comes up with so that he can not be funny for a little while. Well, that's the thing. I mean, was the second last show? Was you, um, Life is Worth Losing? Okay. Where Jerry, at one point, he describes what will happen, what the actual apocalypse will be, where he says, all you have to do to create complete chaos for civilization to just destroy itself is remove electricity completely. Right. And then he describes everything that happens leading up to all the inmates that have now walked out of the unlocked yeah. prisons showing up at your door and what would happen in that right. conversation does this whole How really long dark piece. And then, yeah, it, it runs for about a minute and a half, two minutes easily, where it's just, it gets more and more scary. The uh-huh. crowd gets quieter and uh-huh. quieter. The laughs die away. And then he goes... So let's get back to suicide, which certainly needs, <laughs> it seems to be a viable option all of a sudden, and then the laugh comes right, back. Right. I mean, that show's ungodly dark. Yeah. And it got darker as he got older. Yeah. And I think, I think Chappelle's a guy who's in that moment now. Where oh, he yeah. can, but, but he knows. He's, he's, a, he's sort of a virtuoso in a way, he, and he knows sort of how mm. long of a, of a pause he, he can allow yeah. and how far he can go into the thing. He does this whole thing in the, la- in the, last, in the last, last special about Emmett Till's mother. And the situation oh, with Emmett Till, God, and yes. all that just for that last punchline. I don't want to ruin it, but that last punchline, oh, yeah. which destroys. Yeah, he's he's brought us through this emotional journey to then, yeah, at the end, just destroy. Side on note, one line. Side note: the um, federal government has reopened the Emmett Till investigation. Oh wow, interesting. And also, Stormy Daniels just got arrested. Just now? Well, yes, on, on Reuters. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't know. Based, Something happened in Chicago. The lawyer describes it as she was set up. Of course, she was. What, uh, so I got in trouble, and this is a tough thing. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break, make this brief. The story of Daniel's 60 minutes interview did not impress me. It did not feel like it brought any light to any situations. I feel like we had all the information already, and yeah. we were just now we're just paying to 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 see this person talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of my commentary on Twitter mm-hmm. caught the ears of some people that are in the industry of porn that I've never interviewed. And then they decided to try and use me as an example very quickly on Twitter, uh, in like to like try and get me out. They're like, mm-hmm. well, he doesn't support, you know, porn stars oh. and this and that and the other thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 this is a very specific circumstance. I didn't say anything about her and and and, and the scenario, but mm-hmm. a lot of the comments that she made were contradictory and and uh, of zero value, and that's her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that so that moment was was uh, it was that was my first moment of like, oh, I I do have to be a little bit careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, now gave, I'm representing. She gave no other details in that interview yeah. that Avenatti hadn't already right. expounded on every night. We knew what they were going to say. Yeah, yeah. Everything. Yeah. It was just her not, I think the only thing was the question about, could you describe him? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was a little pause on that. And then they moved on to something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. That was the only real <clears throat> original piece of information yeah. that she actually delivered. Everything was, this is what happened. This is what happened. But Avenatti had been spouting that on MSNBC You're every right. night for mm, yeah. four weeks beforehand. The the thing I took exception to was the was uh, was the shame. Uh, the, this idea that she didn't want her daughter to know about the Trump thing. And yet you're on 60 Minutes. You're on 60 Minutes now, and 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 you know your website is up to date. <laughs> 
right now because you know you're on this thing and, you're, and your Twitter feed is up to date about who you are and what you do. Your Twitter feed doesn't doesn't censor anything. Mm-hmm. Twitter feed says this is what I do for a living. This is the you know and here's my videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this 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 thing and also I don't I don't necessarily believe in embarrassment or shame. Like it's like I think yeah. it's, once you become a, a more whole and an honest person, those things are removed. Mm-hmm. So to have that, but so that was my comment that I think people people were angry about that sort of they tried to make it that uh, that I was saying that that. Porn is in some way shameful, uh, which wasn't my intention. It wasn't my goal and wasn't sort of the message that I was sending. So I, I took the stuff down just mm-hmm. on some like, okay, fine. If this can be misconstrued, then I'm wrong and I, mm-hmm. who cares? I'd like you to expand on that point that once you're a more whole individual, embarrassment and shame yeah. are no longer there. Here's a perfect example. Um, my little brother, okay, this, uh, we're in a bathroom. There's no, uh, there's no lock in the door. I have, I have to shit. I, I, try, I try to hire my little brother to watch the door. He says, no, I'm not going to watch the door while you take a shit because I don't want anybody walking in on me. It's one of these, it's one of these, the only stall is one of these stalls where you can't reach the door. Right. So probability of somebody walking in on me taking a shit, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go, all right, I guess I, I have to accept the, the, the fate and the reality of the situation. So I sit down on the, I sit down on the toilet and I have to go. It's, it's what's going to happen. I can't reach the door. Door doesn't lock. No lock mm-hmm. on the door. And it's a, it's a main restroom in a crowded bar. Mm-hmm. Sit down on the toilet. Fully knowing what's going to happen. I just pull up whatever on my phone, just doing, living my life. Somebody comes in. They open the door. I go, sorry, man, no lock. And then he has to take the embarrassment. He goes, oh. And he closes the door, and he feels weird, and he runs out of the restroom. Not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. Yeah. He saw me shit, and he felt embarrassed. That's insane. Which means you do epic shit. <laughs> which, which, as soon as do, as soon as you, as you, you own your own behavior yeah. and and you're honest with yourself, how can you be embarrassed? Somebody walks in on me like doing a crazy dance. I go, yeah, come on in. Like so if you're if you're being a whole means you're a much more authentic person because you're owning everything that you do. Yeah. Therefore, there's no. Why should you be embarrassed? Right. About who you are? Right. I fucked Trump. I took money to not, t- to not talk about it. Please tell me that's a joke. It. No, 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 I fucked Trump. Oh, no, okay. the, I, t- I took money to, to, uh, to the, I took the hush money. All right. of, you know, all of these things, and I, this is who, this is what happened. And then, and then let's get to the heart of the thing. Let's, the heart of the thing, the whole reason we tuned in was, what kind of fucking person is this guy? This is why we tried to, this is why we gave her money to talk mm. about it. What kind of person is he? Right. Not, not, not whether or not you feel shame about what you did. What you did is over. We're not here to, this is not church. We're not here for that. Is this a is this a thing that comes up with the with the podcast where you're talking to the the adult entertainers? The well, I, I do this thing. I'm not ashamed by this. I'm not. This is my career. Is that something that I'd comes lo- up? I'd love to. I'd love to get deep into that. Sometimes it comes up, right? Sometimes it's the thing, and I sort of uh, liken it to this idea that, like, my parents know I do comedy. Mm-hmm. I would never be ashamed about anything I say mm-hmm. on stage because I came from them. So the the battle that these people have in general is uh, maybe a family battle, and yeah. it's like, and so so they'll 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 intro it with like, my mom knows what I do, and she loves it, you know, uh, which I think is weird for people, and that's because mm-hmm. you're dishonest. Of course it's weird. You, right. You're not even open to that part of yourself. And that's the other part. Is the, again, the, the, the sexual freedom mm-hmm. uh, of understanding that the things we do in the bedroom, if we have that instinct, if we have an impulse, that's human. Mm-hmm. We're not doing crazy things and, and putting ourselves in situations and wanting to be choked or whatever it is the mm-hmm. thing that you're into because we're creeps. It, it's, a, it's a through line on life mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, 
you know, some of it, it is, I mean, this is the other theory I have is that some, because we, we've repressed mm-hmm. things that otherwise wouldn't come up now become a bigger deal. And we become right. obsessed with the things that were, that were repressed for. Whereas if you tried it and it would have been an open thing, you'd be like, I don't even like it that much. If you look at comparisons between like the U.S. and say certain Nordic countries, certain European countries, yeah. uh, where, especially around sex education. Sure. That there's still a big push in certain areas of the United States, that abstinence yeah. is the only way to go. But when you look at the pregnancy rates in Nordic countries and European countries, yeah. that are so low, there's low instances of STDs amongst teenagers, etc. Yeah. Is the repression of certain populations in the US, is that leading to these sorts of conflicts? I mean, for sure. I mean, well, so, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's just a US thing, right? It's like, what's well, this notion of like, uh, if you can drink at an earlier age in a particular country, then the, the drinking and driving stats go way down. It's like, it's not a big deal. If you're drinking at home with your family and it's not a big deal, you're not drinking in a garage. Right. So it's the same thing. If you, if you, if you're able to have sex and talk about it with your parents, then yeah. you're not having sex in a garage. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why you're in the garage. You're not trying to sneak In a, secret. Yeah, not trying to sneak a drink at a trailer party. Right, like right, yeah. right. And and do the thing illegally. Because if it feels illegal, uh, then, then yeah, then there's there's this other this other thing that you have to, that you should you should do it and you should have to do it. It's 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 my whole concept on open relationships is the idea that like open relationship doesn't have to be a fucking everyone you meet. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be about fucking anybody but your partner. But the communication aspect of it is this idea that, like, we are going to be attracted to people at some place in time. And if we can come home and we talk to our partner about it, then maybe we can squash it. If you don't talk to your partner about it, what I can assure you is if the thing builds at work, then mm-hmm. it's going to escalate somewhere. And now mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're in, the, you're in the bathroom stall with this person because it's become an obsession. Because you can't even discuss it. Would you say that you would ascribe to more a polyamorous lifestyle? I think I would like to be in that position. I do. Um, uh, there's a part of me that wants to have somebody who I can tell all of my things to and all of my components to and, and, and have that person understand and, 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 and um, I believe be that supportive. Is a dog. There's that. that. that but, you, but, there's no, but, there's no communi- but there's no communication. Right? Dog's going to love you no matter what. I don't want somebody right. to love, love me no matter what. I want me to, someone to love me for who I am. There is that joke about... Uh, Locking a dog and your partner in the trunk of your car <laughs> and open it in six hours later and see who likes you more. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> you came back. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Um, I, I think that, that at certain points in my life, I, uh, I was more um, sexually active, promiscuous. Uh, I was, you know, in my 20s and mm-hmm. trying to figure it out, right? And so... I think it's weird that we don't tell our partners about these things and that we get to omit, omit things mm-hmm. and, that, uh, and that we think it's okay. It's like, no, I, I want my partner to love me for the fact that I did or didn't have that threesome. You know what I mean? I don't want them to have to judge me later on. It's, mm-hmm. like, a, it's like I want them to, to be able to understand that when I was, you know, 24, I had, uh, uh, I was like in this weird like little circle where I was like trying to accumulate uh, partners, and there was something fun about it. And there was something fun about uh, having one girl leave and another girl arrive. There was something fun about making up fake little games for myself about, you know, what kind of antics can I get in in a certain timeline. Uh, you know, I, I, it's like, why, because that was a part of me, that's mm-hmm. a part of, of, of humanity. Mm-hmm. So why should I want that to be something that's a secret for the rest of my life? And I think, you know, there are people that uh, when they get drunk, 
uh, in a group, you know, they're like in the, this group of people, they all go out and one of them will disappear and probably mm-hmm. hook up that night. And then they get married and then all of a sudden they're not the girl who was giving blowjobs for 13 years. It's like, no, you can still be the girl who was giving blowjobs and have your partner mm-hmm. be now the guy who will go to the bathroom with you and get the blowjob. You know what I mean? It's like, but you're repressing yeah. this and you're hiding it from your partner and then it's just going to come back yeah. out. And it gets bigger. Like as soon as you, as soon as you try to squash it, it just gets bigger. One lie leads to another one, and another, and another, and they usually get bigger. Well, and it's not even that. It's like because you can't, you can't have the experience. Now you, now you're. I don't know why the garage is the example, but now you're in the garage looking at foot porn. How mm. how how are garages in Syracuse? Are they they seem to be dens of iniquity. <laughs> they're all up and down the street. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We store all of the things that we will never uh, need or want in the garage thinking that we're going to use them. So that, that my, my family was sort of a borderline hoarder uh, mm-hmm. family. Uh, but they're, uh, but, and, then, and, then, and then, well, the big move, the big move that you do when, you, uh, when you're in the U.S. is you, especially if you're in the middle of the country, is you uh, buy a house uh, and then you make more money. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, um, sorry, I just got a, a ridiculous uh, response and a text message in it. I said, so I was in, in Johannesburg, and they said, that's, Eng- that's in England, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, and then you, and then you turn your garage into a uh, part of the house, and then you yep. just build another garage. It becomes like a family room. A yes, room. because well, it's, it's attached. So yeah. now you've made it into the thing, and you park the cars outside, mm-hmm. and you make some more money, you make another garage. And we then need the a process, home for the car. Yeah. Right, and the process keeps going. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the, the first time you truly, truly died on stage? Like it was. <clears throat> I was trying to think of this the other day. Somebody was asking me about bombing. Um, it's. I remember the emotion. I don't remember the the the, the exact experience, right? Because like in, in New York, you get enough opportunities where you don't let the bomb. You can't go to sleep after the bomb. You go get another show. So that's that's the that's the success rate. Is is that's the problem is out here? You do a, you bomb, uh, you die there's on no stage. Other clo- there's no other. Clo- and then you go, go home. To. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you got to decide if you want to do comedy tomorrow. You got eighteen mm-hmm. hours to stew on it, right? Right, and this is the other problem with with trying to do comedy and then having like a normal lifestyle. Like you mm-hmm. wait all day to do your favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Noah, of all people, I think solved it. Uh, and it was in his comedians' cars getting coffee. He's talking about a schedule. Jerry asked him about a schedule. He says, "I wake up at six p.m., get on stage at seven p.m. for my one man show." Just right there, that's insane. That you wake up at six p.m. and you're on stage now, one hour. You've woken up after the sun's down. Mm. And you've gone on stage uh, and done your favorite thing within one hour of being awake. Mm. Then you had then then he's doing spots eight nine ten eleven twelve all around the city. Goes and hangs out at the cellar. Maybe he'll get up. Maybe he won't. Hanging out with comedians till like four in the morning. Now he's got from seven p.m. to four in the morning to analyze the set. Be in the moment, uh, mm. and, like not have to go to sleep after Reduce. after after getting ad- an adrenaline rush, mm. and then he has then the next couple hours to cool off. We do the opposite. We do the show. We do the thing. We try to come down. We go to sleep. We wake up in the morning. Try to recreate what happened last night mm. from memory, which is bullshit. So, um, what I do remember about bombing, and and I've now sort of made a conscious effort in the last eight months to 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 go against this and go the opposite of this, is you give up. You like you let the audience decide that you're not funny, and you you know like you know that this material worked yesterday, mm-hmm. but you let the audience decide that you're not funny, and then you you slowly start to let them win in a sense, uh, and you've given up, and so now you have no hope to resurrect. So the the key to not doing that is to never give up on yourself in those moments. I've seen guys, uh, this brilliant guy Brent, Ben Kronberg, 
can take the audience uh, to a position where, 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 like, as a comedian, you're like, there's, there's just no, this is a non-recoverable moment. And he plays with this palpability. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, you, and you're like, there's just no way that you can come back from this. And the only thing that he appreciates at this level of comedy, it's like that Pat Oswalt bit. Mm-hmm. He says, I think comedians should have to say, uh, like, like, like momentum and set stopping things and then have to recover. He's like, so cancer's really taking its time with my, with my mom. And then he's, and then he's just like, so what about grocery stores? Like, he's like, you should have to like ride this roller coaster Jeez. of like, like that should be the final level of comedy. <clears throat> right. And then, and that's what Ben Kronberg does is he, is he, is he, is he, is he takes the moment as far as he possibly can. And then he gets him right back and he takes it as far as he possibly can. And then he gets him right back. And the confidence that he has that he knows he can get him back is is unbelievable and the, at the end of the day whether you get them back or not you like you still got tomorrow you still got the next mm-hmm. show so once you realize that it doesn't even matter if you get them back then you could it's, it's like it's this reverse psychology on yourself mm-hmm. so now it doesn't even matter if you get them because you know you know in your heart that you're that you can do this um so then that in itself sort of allows you to get them yeah. back or why, allows you to succeed why are there so many war analogies when it comes to comedy I died on stage. Yeah, I a killed. Yeah. I battled with the crowd. I got yeah. win. I have to win mm-hmm. over the audience. Yeah. Why? Why war analogies? Why so brutal? Because credibility is key, and so you walk on stage with no credibility, mm-hmm. and this is why the, this is why this sort of the, the fame of comedy creates a, a different animal, and, and some people argue that it's creating uh, less good comedy because. We're now applauding and appreciating the the celebrity of the person and not the ideas and not the mm-hmm. thing and and how can you even get to the 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 real heart of an issue if you're not battling the crowd the crowd loves you so then you can, you don't even have to do the hard work of so you can't do anything out. wrong once you right so then you can't you so then it's like there's the two sides there's the one side where now you're starting in minute forty five and you can like you can go to this next level mm-hmm. of comedy where you talk or you're getting in depth about other things mm-hmm. and then there's the other level where you don't have to work for the thing so you're not even getting to the real hard the mm-hmm. real hardy moment that you mm-hmm. want so it, it mm-hmm. is I mean it is a it, it's a battle because it's 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 an entire group of people who you want to in a sense convince uh, your opinions. And uh, convince your 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 concepts of the world. So there, everyone is hesitant to being told a thing. Mm-hmm. So comedy allows you to convince them that you're not telling them mm-hmm. uh, in a way because you're you're taking a journey together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you but the person on stage has a has a viewpoint, and then you sort of have to you have to have them leave with that viewpoint on some level. Mm-hmm. And what's great about comedy is you can you can play with the with with the, the level of intellect on it, right? Because you can have them just go, well, this is his thought, but it's funny uh, because he's so convinced of it that it's cool. And then, or you can leave with the like, what he's saying is so true and so real that I'm leaving with this thought. Right. And there's you know there's varying levels of that. And mm-hmm. and as a comedian, you can decide where you want to be in that thing. And then as an outside comedian, you can decide whether or not you respect the guy on which part of the spectrum. If you're just doing the easy laugh and you don't leave with anything, then you know you can decide as a comedian if if that's enough for you and as an audience member. Mm-hmm. But um, but the audience can always dictate the thing. So I had a big debate with a buddy of mine. He he was in a position where he wants to have the audience leave with his opinion. That's the only thing that matters to him, and so it's that's very difficult to do, uh, virtually impossible. And so he was having difficulty, and we were having this debate on a night when he died about whether or not he actually did comedy. And it's like, I know you have the arsenal of, of jokes that you know work. 
and you deliberately didn't do them. You deliberately didn't get the crowd back because you wanted, because now he's defiant. He says, well, if they don't like these jokes, these difficult jokes, then they don't get the other ones. And so now we're in this discussion where it's like, well, look, uh, you know, he, he's, he wants to say that the, um, the laughs are on his terms and, and, the, and the jokes and the show is on his terms. But as a comedian, you don't get terms. The audience gets the terms. You've, you can convince, you know, you, you have to do all the work so that, they're, so that they're on board and they let you, they allow you to say the next ridiculous thing that you're going to say. Right. Once you've decided that either you're a jerk, you don't have credibility, you've gone too far, you're preaching, you don't get to say anymore. They've decided we're done listening and it's not even common. And, audience, that's, and that's the moment. That's the Jerry Seinfeld thing. The, the, the audience can decide from a political correct standpoint, this isn't comedy anymore. Mm-hmm. Bill Burr mm-hmm. says this lie. He says, he says the audience then decides these are facts. He's just saying facts now. These aren't jokes anymore. These are facts, mm-hmm. which is never the you know never what the comedian's going for. Right. We have come up to the hour. We know where to go now. But there's a couple of quick fire questions. Sure, I'd like to ask. I'll try to be brief. <laughs> no, it's I'm not that good at it. Uh, give me your. Give me one comedy room in New York. Your favorite comedy room to go to, not necessarily format, but to go to. Comedy Cellar is the one of the best comedy clubs okay. in the world. Give me your dream lineup. Ten till to watch. Ten till one. Your dream lineup, living or dead. What would be your dream lineup to at see. the Comedy Cellar? As in, these people are going to be one night only. You sit in second row because nobody. It sucks because because I, I, I might have seen it. So now, <laughs> and I have a different answer. Hey, but, that's um, cool. But um. Uh, I mean, I, I guess for me right now, the people that I want, that I want, uh, okay, so this is, this is a complex one, because here's, here's where I'm at. There, uh, so I want, I want, I want Cosby before the, before the scandal. Mm-hmm. I want, uh, I want, I want Chappelle mm-hmm. at any point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, I want CK before the scandal. <laughs> um, uh, and then, and then honestly, I, I kind of want, uh, I want Patton Oswald on the mm-hmm. bill because I don't think he knows how good he is. I think I Patton that. Oswald could that. take the slot of Louis C.K. very easily. I think he has the intellect. I think he has the ability to to uh, to process a lot of information quickly uh, and and make an audience understand it, and then come up with it with a brilliant analogy. Uh, but I don't I don't think uh, that he understands how good he is, and I don't think that he knows that he could be the guy. Uh, I put Bill Burr on the lineup because he's just fun, and uh, maybe Patrice because I don't have enough wealth yeah. of Patrice knowledge. And then probably um, like Eddie Murphy at any point. Uh, I only leave Carlin and 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 Pryor out because it, it the legacy has grown so big that I don't it would like it would sort of ruin the rest of the show. I think mm. I think it would ruin everyone's opinion of everything, and they would have to frame it based on those guys. But so what did I say? Chappelle, Cosby, Murphy, Pat, Louis. Louis, and then honestly, Ellen DeGeneres is probably my favorite comedian of all time. And mm. the fact that she's going to do a special uh, again, I'm super excited. Who is the one uh, adult entertainment actor that you'd still like to interview? That one's tough. Because um, I, I didn't go into it with, with a crush, right? It's like, I, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, it doesn't matter to me who it is. I think I get the same, the same, the same answers, the same uh, things from me. And all I've learned from the thing is that whatever, whatever idea I have in my mind about this person, they're not that anyway. Right. So... Interviewing somebody who I have a, what I think is an emotional attachment to, uh, ruins it. 
not knowing the person is way better. Sure. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with Adrian Fox right now. Cool. <laughs> All right, final question. We like to wrap up. We talk to cool people who are doing cool things, and some of the people that listen are trying to get a motivation to get out there and do their own cool thing. Yeah. Is there one piece of advice, one pearl of wisdom that you could give to somebody who might need a little inspiration to get yeah. out there and do their thing? If, if you don't like what you're doing, stop. I'm at, I'm at a Dunkin' Donuts and this lady's staring at the outside and she's like, I hope it rains soon. And I said, why? And she said, because then it'll slow down. And I'm going, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Mm. The fact that we found comedians, this thing that we love and it's like, it's infectious to, to our whole moment. Whenever I meet somebody in the middle of the country and their dream is dead, it, it really bumps me out. What was your dream? You can actually accomplish that thing. You didn't wake up when you were 12 years old aspiring to be in middle management. <laughs> right, right, right. What you, whatever you started chasing was the wrong thing, and now you're, and now you're too, too many. You think you're too many levels deep. You're never too many levels deep to actually start having fun and enjoying your life. There's nothing you can't come back from. Stop doing that. That thing. Stop. That's the old the doctor joke. It hurts when I do this. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. So stupid, but I hate that this from ending. <laughs> I have one question which we're not going to answer. I just, well, I'd like an answer, but I don't want you to tell me. Do you have an aristocrat's joke? A ver I guess I have a version of don't that. Don't tell the version, because yeah. we can talk about it. it. sucks to everybody else. You're not in the room. Yeah. You don't get to hear it. I might ask afterwards. Yeah. But, uh, Dan, where can the people find you? Uh, at Dan Frigolet. Uh, F-R-I-G-O-L-E-T-T-E. I got lucky nobody nobody is me, so I'm all of them. And at Dan Frigolet is all of the things. Uh, it's Instagram, it's Twitter, and uh, there's a, a there's a silliness with my Facebook. So there's three pages, uh, mm -hmm. so they've filled up. So you have to you have to follow the third the third one, or the fan page. Uh, it's ridiculous. When does Porn Stars of People drop? Porn Stars of People is every Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Although actually, time change here is then I don't even know what that means now. So it jumps every Sunday in the U.S. Mm -hmm. on the Eastern Standard Time at midnight. Okay, so six a.m. here. Six or seven a.m. depending on the lights Uh, right. Yes. Damn, this has been awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Mm, appreciate it. Shut up, That was Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. What the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in rotten command here. To contact the show, you can email us at release the geek one word at geekxp.co.za. Thanks for listening. I'll be back. Mm -hmm.